Hello and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am Elder Nick and I'm joined by Elder AJ. And this week's lesson is titled The Good News of the Judgment. And this is for the week of April 22nd to 28th. 28th. <laughs> and with that, um, let's go ahead and get into our lesson. Um, AJ, would you like to go ahead and open up the prayer? All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for allowing us to be here to be able to record another podcast, Lord. We thank you for the lesson this week, and as we've gone through and we've studied it, Lord, there's so many important points for us to to be able to bring out, and I pray that this morning that you will help us to um, touch on all of those points and how they apply to our lives today, Lord. We know that there's a lot of prophecy and there's a lot of things that happened in the past, but it has a big impact on what's going to happen in the future, Lord. And we pray that you will help us to understand how we fit into this and give us understanding this morning from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with that, let's go ahead and look at the memory text for this week's lesson. And it's found in Revelation 14, verse 7. And it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Now, this week's lesson, um, I think, is a little bit more insightful in exactly what we're, uh, what we're expecting when it comes to the Three Angels message. And this is now focusing on the call of judgment. And as you read Revelation, Revelation is that process of judgment that's in place. Um, and we're going to read that throughout this lesson this week, that that message of that judgment is going to be a little bit more clear. It's going to have a little bit more of an understanding of how things fall into place and who is actually making this judgment and why this judgment is being made. And it is very important that you pay very close attention to that because I think a lot of people kind of get confused when it comes to this final judgment part. Yep. Um I think there's a lot of questions that are around, well, what does the judgment mean? Why is he judging? And, you know, where, where do I fall into this? And there's a lot of these questions that get answered in here, but you have to read it very carefully because as I was going through it, I had to go back like a day and reread it again to understand what was leading up to the very next day. And it, it's very crucial that in this lesson, and I, I really mean in this lesson, that you pay close attention to that. And, and I think if you look at, I'll, I'll give you an example. Pretty much when I was 15, 16, and I read the, this judgment for the very first time, it terrified me. I was downright scared of it. Like this is a judgment. And if anybody who has ever gone through a court, you know, appeared in court and stood before a judge, which I have too many times <laughs> is, is that situation is extremely nerve wracking because you're at the mercy of someone else. You're at, the, you're at their mercy, right? You know that there's a law. You know that you broke the law. You know that you're there because you broke the law. And now you're at the mercy of the judge and, and the public defender and everybody that's, that's kind of acting on your behalf. But you still don't have the power to, to, to uh, pretty much dictate the outcome of what your future will be. And so reading the judgment for the first time, I remember I was absolutely terrified because they said, how in the world can we possibly ever hope to make it to heaven if we're going to be judged on everything we've done? And even up to that point as a 16-year-old, as I could say, oh man, I was a bad kid growing up. I didn't do a lot of things right. Fast forward to now, there's still a lot of mistakes I made. And if you look at the judgment from the, from the fact of just 
that it's a negative thing for us, then yeah, it's fearful. But as we're going to see in this lesson, that's not what it is at all. And, and it's actually really good news for us, for, for us who believe in Jesus, that this judgment is not about just being punished, right? There's some good news about it. And I, I, I took away from this lesson after reading through the whole thing, like, yeah, that's, that's what we need to understand about this because it shouldn't be something that we're afraid of. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, you know, and I was the same way, you know, in, in the Catholic faith, it was very prominent that there was either you're going to burn in hell or you're going to go to heaven. Yep. And it was really based on your life choices. You know, there was yep. no true salvation, I guess. You know, if you believed in Jesus, you were kind of saved, but you had to live a very, very perfect life, you know, or you were going to pay penance in hell. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing as a kid when you hear every little thing you do oh, i just got a song stuck in my head now. i don't know why <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where like as as a kid you know yeah. if it's not explained to you it, you're absolutely right it's going to terrify you it's going yeah. to be like oh wow so every little thing i do in my life is going to be judged and you know do i have enough on the good side to counter the bad exactly, side, yeah. you know, and then you start you worrying about weigh that. it in the balance. We, yeah. weigh, we weigh our lives in the balance on everything we, we, that we do. We say, do, did I do enough good things to outdo the bad things? Right. Oh yeah. And then here it, it's just, and I think the part that really scared me as a kid was, you know, Paul himself had written. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I don't even remember what I did last week. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, you want me to stand before God, the most powerful being in the entire universe and tell him everything I've done in my life and hope that, you know, it's, I've done enough good that he'll be like, okay, you can come into heaven. Yeah. That's terrifying. You know, I, I struggled telling my wife I broke something, you know, (laughs) standing before God is a different story. And I also read that verse too, which you're talking about, uh, Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. To me, also, when I read that, that was awesome because it also told me something about myself. It said, hey, don't worry about other people. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about what they're not doing. Focus on yourself. So, so many times we come to church and we're so worried about what other people are doing and, mm-hmm. and they're, the things that are going on in their lives. And it's not that we shouldn't be um, friends to them and help them along the way. But so many people get caught up in the fact of, look at what, look at what so-and-so is doing and all the bad things they're doing. And a good thing I'm not doing that. Right. (laughs) But it's a, every one of us is going to give an account of himself. Like I only have to worry about the things that I did. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's enough (laughs) because I have a long list of things that I, that I have to deal with on a daily basis that I don't have time to worry about what other people are doing. And I think if we have that mentality, we have that focus Put all of that energy. Think about we put all of that energy into picking out other people's problems. Everybody wants to get involved in everyone else's life, especially today, right? We see that everywhere. But if we got all of that energy and we put it into our own lives, we'd be ready for heaven. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) we would, huh? And it's, I guess for me, I think it was like, like I said, you know, it's, it's hard to remember what you've done a week ago or a month ago and try to account for everything. But, yeah, I kind of do see what you're saying, that there is some hope in there, that there's, you know, that the only person who's accountable to yourself is yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And I think right here in 
Ecclesiastes 12, 14, I think that kind of makes makes a lot more sense. says, bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know, God already knows what we've done through our entire lives. He knows every thought, every action, every feeling. He knows all of it. And it's understandable. We're not going to remember everything. We're not going to be able to account for every little detail, you know. But God has already taken all that and looked at it. And, you know, we're all going to be judged in the end, whether it be good or whether it be bad. But what I loved about this lesson this week, though, is that judgment isn't as harsh as I thought it was when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. And as you read through it this week, you're going to see exactly what the judgment is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's going to bring more hope, more you're going to feel a sense of joy understanding what this judgment is. And another thing that was brought out this week was we see so many things happening in the world today. We see the evil. It's increasing. We see crime. We see people dying, innocent people dying. And I know a lot of times we see innocent people dying and we question, why would a loving God allow this to happen? Why does a loving God allow certain people to die when he could have protected them? Mm -hmm. Um, We know that this is a world full of sin. That's, The outcome of that is that many people will die in this world, unfortunately. Um, And we always look at those types of things and we say, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. That lack of judgment, right, where um, we we feel that there's those bad people in the world that should be be punished. And we say sometimes they get away with it. How do they get away with it? Sometimes we see a drunk driver crash into someone and kill someone. And then a month later, they're released from jail and they're out just living their life again. It's like, how is that fair? Mm-hmm. And we say that's a lack, lack of judgment. But here we see all these things going on in the world. But what this lesson tells us that lack of judgment here and now will one day be taken care of. Yeah. Finally, at the end, there's going to be a point where everything is going to be settled. All of it's going to be taken care of. And the final judgment of everything that's happened in this world's history is going to be taken care of. And there'll be that day where God says, all right, that's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody will get what they deserve. Yeah, and it's right here. It even says at the end of uh, the Sabbath's lesson, it says, this week we'll explore the deeper themes of the judgment in relation to the great controversy raging in the universe. And we will look especially at what happens when God's faithful people themselves face the inevitable judgment to come. And that's found in Acts 24-25. Yeah. You know, it's not just those that have done wrong in their lives. It's even those that have done the right thing who are faithful, who are all going to be judged in the same, in the same you know manner. It's the same scale. Everybody is going to be judged exactly the same. Yeah. And honestly, and and like you said, you know, going through the court system, sometimes court's not fair. Sometimes the law isn't fair. It's not. It's just the way things are written. Sometimes uh, there's loopholes. Yep. I mean. Going through court system early on <laughs> as, as a as a teenager and a young adult, I found loopholes in the system and I exploited them to be able to gain favor, right? And it's what we do. It's if it's not illegal, then we're going to do everything we can that's going to be a, have a favorable outcome to mm-hmm. uh, to us. So when I found out that there was ways that I can do that, believe me, I did it. Yeah, <laughs> to to be able to <laughs> to to rig the system basically to outcome and. Again, you can apply that to what's going on in the world today. We can, we can do that for so long, right? We can try to do tricks and stuff to get get by um, being punished today for our 
what we call sins. Mm -hmm. But at the end, there's going to be a point where there's going to be no more. There's going to be loopholes are going to be closed. Everything's going to be set. It's going to be done. There's there's not going to be any possibility of trying to get out of it at the end. Yeah, there's, it's black and white. There is no gray. Whereas if we look at today's criminal system, criminal justice system, there is a lot of gray. There is. I mean, we saw it this week. You know, you've heard about those several shootings where people were ended up in a wrong driveway and they got shot this week. And it's interesting when you read into those cases and you see the laws in those states, they even say themselves, there's a lot of gray area in this situation because Mm -hmm. there's certain laws protecting the homeowner and there's certain laws that won't apply to the situation. And for us, we could look at a situation like that and say, well, if somebody drives up in the wrong yard and they get shot, well, obviously the person who shot them is in the wrong because you just assume that that's the way it works. And it should work that way, but the laws, the way they are written actually can let the person who shot him get away. Mm-hmm. And that's that's hard. Like, it's like what we were talking about in the beginning. Like, some things are not fair in the system. Yeah, so, like, in Texas, they have the stand-your-ground law. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel threatened or you feel your family's life is threatened. Mm-hmm. You have the right, in some cases, to defend yourself. And sometimes that defense is, you know, at the cost of somebody else's life. Yes. That. That is a law they have in Texas. Florida kind of has the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of states have adopted these kind of laws that, you know, for some, especially the person who may have been the victim, yeah. you know, because there's, like you said, we don't know all the details of every situation. Mm-hmm. We don't know those ins and outs and the little nuances that may have occurred. You know, in these cases, as humans, we tend to err on the side of the law. Mm-hmm. And, in cases like you just mentioned, you know, there's so much other things that have to be accounted for. So many little things like, well, did the person who, who was at the door, did they feel threatened? Yeah. You know, and did that, they give a warning? Did they do this yeah. and this and this and this? And that threat also, that point of, of being threatened can apply to different situations. Like in the situation where an uh, older man fires against a younger person, like, well, they feel threatened because they don't have the power to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's all these little things like that, right? And and if you look at that and you apply it to what we're dealing with today, people do the same thing with the Ten Commandments of God. They take yes. the Ten Commandments as the law, and they try to find ways to break down the law to say, oh, no, 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 I didn't do anything wrong, right? Right. This commandment, it, it doesn't really mean that, yeah. right? It doesn't mean <laughs> this. Oh, thou shalt not kill? Well, I mean, the, Jesus tells me if I hate my brother, I kill. But now that's not really true because, you know, I didn't actually physically kill them. So we're going to find all these little things that we're going to try to yep. find loopholes. And why do we do that? We find the loopholes so we don't have to deal with the consequences of what we're doing wrong. Oh, yeah. It's like I remember being a kid, you know. Accidentally break something in the house. I blame my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep. he was smaller. Yeah, he, I was like, well, he he did it. It's like, yeah. but it's way up on the top shelf. Only you can reach that. I'm like, yeah, but he did it though. He did it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or he made me do it. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I love that. Oh, that was such a great excuse as a yeah. kid. He made mm-hmm. me do it. He said if I didn't do it, he was going to tell mom or uh, or something else. Yep. Right. <laughs> and we see that a lot here too. It's like, well, you know, I I didn't. I didn't follow the first commandment because, you know, somebody told me that, you know, the first commandment doesn't mean it's, it's the same thing. It, yeah. It's, it's that situation where, you know, God's law is God's law. You follow it or you don't. And God even says, you break one of my commandments, you might as well have broken every one of them. Mm-hmm. And we all know the punishment for breaking God's law 
is death. Yeah. Now, they, when we look at this, the significance of this whole judgment, because this is what we're talking about, this judgment that's happening, this, this, this process that God is going through um, to determine, you know, who is faithful, who, who is going to be saved, and who is going to perish when he cleans the slate. Mm-hmm. And we're looking here, and, and Revelation really focuses on the culmination of the age-long controversy between good and evil. And we all know Lucifer. He's the rebel angel. He's, he's the villain of this whole situation because he put into motion this, this idea of rebellion that God isn't correct, that yeah. God is infallible. And, you know, he challenged everything when it came to God. And this judgment that he had towards God is really going to come back down and kick him in the butt, honestly. And here we, we see that. And, you know, this is the basis of what this week's lesson is. Yeah, this is the foundational exactly. part. You know, why is there a judgment? And mm-hmm. why is this judgment going to happen? That's and extremely important. Yeah, it, it, it all started with Lucifer deciding to rebel against God. Mm-hmm. Now, in any court case, you have a defendant mm-hmm. and you have a plaintiff. In this case, the defendant is God. God is defending against Satan's accusations, accusations yeah. who is the prosecutor and is saying, well, you did this, 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 and this. You know, how can you say you're a loving God if you're going to punish people? <clears throat> how can you say you're a loving God if bad things happen on earth? And this is this is the prosecution. Satan sitting there challenging everything God's done, and God is, is going, well, look at my character. Yeah. Look at what I've done. Look at the things <clears throat> I've put in place. I have reached out. I have shown my love. I have given my love. They have rejected it. On their own choice. I've never forced them to reject me. I never forced them to love me. I just gave them the option. Yeah. And that is what's really this whole judgment's on. And this is that this battle that is happening right now when we look at scripture and we try to understand what is going on. And the the best thing that we have is especially in the first angel's message, you know, it, it's the everlasting gospel. This is the gospel from the beginning to the end and beyond. And everything, everything, like you said, is centered on that one challenge, that challenge that he issued to God and saying that you are not loving you, you know, all of these accusations about his justice, his fairness, his wisdom, and that he's unjust and unfair. All of that is, is centered on what we're dealing with. And that whole judgment is an opportunity to present evidence to show, Hey, look, because one of the things that, that Satan, that will happen at the end, that we're told will happen. Well, Satan's going to continue to fight, as we mentioned before. He's going to continue mm-hmm. to fight. Okay, he says, fine, I may have lost to Christ, but now I'm going to take down as many of his followers as I possibly can because they, I can't let them go too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put all of my efforts into that. And when Christ returns and takes those faithful ones with him to heaven, what is Satan's accusation going to continue to be? Hey, these sinners on earth that have messed up so much, you're taking them to heaven? Yep. How come you can't take me to heaven? I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner. I messed up too. How come you're not going to allow me to go? And so many people would say, well, that, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's right. How come he can't go if, if these other people can go? And that the judgment will show. Here you go. Because you know why? Because they never, these people I've taken, yeah, they've sinned. They messed up. But guess what? They asked for forgiveness. And they worked their hardest to turn their hearts from sinful life to following me. Mm-hmm. 
and they worked and it might have been a lifelong process and they might have worked really hard but they but guess what every day they had a victory and every day they continued to to follow me closer they read their bibles they prayed they actually changed their characters what did, what did you do saying you you didn't ever try to change you continued down the path of rebellion never asking for forgiveness Never, never wanting to do better, mm. never trying to help people. All you did was continue to attack the people of God and continue to try to fight for them to get them to pull them away from me. And so all of that evidence will be laid out for everyone to see, to say, look, I'm just in what I'm doing because here's all the evidence. You can look, for it, look at it for yourself oh, and yeah. see what's going on. And, and what's, what's great is right here in the lesson, it says exactly that. It says during this judgment, the unfallen worlds will see that God has done everything he can to save every human being. Mm-hmm. This judgment <clears throat> reveals God's justice and mercy. It says something about his love and law. It speaks of his grace to save and his power to deliver. Mm-hmm. Now that is the biggest element I think in this whole lesson this week is as this judgment's going on, we're all in the middle of this right now. We are in in the middle of this judgment, this mm-hmm. decision that's being made. And it's evident by when you look at the, the the insanity that's happening in the world right now. You know, we're on the verge of war with multiple nations right now again. We're seeing people's health decline massively. We're seeing people that should not have died just dying. Mm-hmm. We're seeing suffering we're seeing innocent lives being taken in senseless tragedies we're seeing misinformation we're seeing people being deceitful and lying and we're seeing all the things that revelation has called out is going to happen during the time of judgment we're seeing it on the news every day we're seeing it in in our at work we're seeing it in our schools we're seeing it honestly in our churches too mm-hmm. and this judgment that's happening is it's like a tug of war. You know, some days you're going to be able to pull a little bit closer to the side of right, but some days you're going to get drawn into the other side, Mm -hmm. but it's a constant battle. And this is where God's at right now. He is trying to help you pull to the side of right and trying to pull and bring people to his side as much as he possibly can. But it's, it's one of those things that if, if God wasn't loving and if he wasn't merciful, he would have taken away our ability to choose. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that mankind has that makes us unique is the fact that we can choose to love God choose or choose not to. not to. Yeah, and those choices are 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 daily. They're based off of, you know, when we're, when we're faced with the situation, we get you know, what they say, your, your conscience, right? Um, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as the promptings from the Holy Spirit telling me, hey, you know better. Yeah. You know what's right. But even though he puts that in, that those thoughts come into my mind, I still have the ability to choose. It doesn't force me. It says, hey, here's it presented to you. You know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Right? What are you going to do about it? And so every one of those choices that we make, whether for or against, are going to be recorded. Right? Um. Not to point out what we did wrong, but basically as evidence to show others what's going to happen, what, what happened with us during our lives. Uh, God did everything he possibly could to reach us. And that's the thing is that you get to heaven. Say you get to heaven. And you're like, hey, 
Elder AJ's not here. What happened? I want He should have been here. Yeah. You know, he's the <laughs> podcast of me, man. And God opens the book and says, well, here you go. Here's, here's, here's why he's not here. Because yeah. your thought is going to be like, well, he should be here. God, why is he not here? It's not fair that he's not here. Mm -hmm. But God will open the book and he'll be able to show you and say, hey, um, look, at all the, look at all the things. He had a lot of choices. He had a lot of opportunities to choose for the right. And instead, at the end, he chose to go the other way and just disregard my calling. And you could look at all the evidence and say, you know what, God, you're just. Think about that with our family members. We're going to have brothers and sisters who somebody's going to make it to heaven and someone's not going to make it to heaven. Yeah. And we're going to question why, God, why don't you want us all here? Why don't you want my brothers and sisters? They were good people. Well, good people is not going to be enough to get you to heaven. Following Christ, believing in him, having that faith and accepting his gift, that's what's going to get you to heaven. And if those, if people in this world choose not to do that, then Hey, ultimately that that's, they're going to, they're going to, they're all of that's going to be justified because God's going to be able to show you everything that happened and you're going to be able to see it for yourself and you're going to have no more questions because God will say, Hey, I am just take a look for yourself. Oh yeah. And you know, as we're coming back to this whole idea of, you know, uh, every, everything we choose, every choice that we've had, every decision we made, it's, it's being recorded and it, it what I loved also in this is that how it referenced back to Daniel because mm -hmm. Daniel had these visions. He had this interpretation of what he saw, you know, that God presented to him and how it really, really ties into what happens in revelation. And I want us to take a look at Daniel seven verse 10. And I think this is very important for us to understand because this is where we're at at this moment. This is what's happening in heaven right now. And it says in verse 10, it goes, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were opened. So in other words, the, the evidence is now being presented. <laughs> yes. Here you go. And honestly, anybody who, like you said, who's gone through court, you know, having somebody that is helping defend you, yeah. It's crucial in a lot of court cases, having a good attorney that's helping back you up. And and evidence will change everything. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was one time I was pulled over. Um, and the reason for the officer pulling me over was I wasn't speeding. I wasn't doing anything wrong. He said, you have modified exhaust. And this was that first year that they put in the modified exhaust rule in the city of Albuquerque saying that, you can't have it so loud, especially after quiet hours, after 10 p.m. This was that very first year. My car was pretty loud at the time. And so he issued me a ticket for modified exhaust, which is something that I did to my car that wasn't originally, that didn't yeah. originally come with the car. <laughs> Spent a lot of money on it. We I was issued a court date. Went to the first court date, which is your basic hearing, mm -hmm. and met with the attorney there. And they told me, look, you have modified exhaust. It's against the rules of the city of Albuquerque. This is why he pulled you over, gave me all the, the rule violations. So, okay, what do I need to do? And they said, well, you have two choices. You can either go through, pay the fine, and whatever else the judge decides that they want to do against you, or you can remove the exhaust, and you remove it, and probably everything goes away. Okay. So I went home, cut the exhaust piece off, put on my original equipment, 
took photos of everything and went back to, to my actual court date. I walk into court that day. We, we didn't even get to see the judge yet. Walked into the court. I see the officer who pulled me over. He's there already waiting for me at the door. We go in. He said, so what'd you do? I said, I took it off, man. I just took off the whole exhaust system. And he's like, uh, kind of give me that look. I said, no, look, here's photos. Pulled out all the photos, showed him everything. He goes, cool. He said, let's go. We walk in, stand before the judge. I didn't speak a single word. All he did, all he did is walk up to the judge and the judge said, you know, okay, what's going on with the case here and everything? And the officer said, well, he, Mr. Lujan here, the one I pulled over for the exhaust violation, he complied with the, with all of the city codes. He has now removed the exhaust and gone back to factory equipment. Here's the photos to prove it. Presented to the judge. Judge looked at the officer and said, okay, case dismissed. You're free. Simple as that. Yeah. The evidence was the one that basically let me go. And so I was able to walk away with no additional problems. Didn't have to pay any of the court fees because they literally dismissed my case. Evidence was presented and that evidence of what I did at a past time was used to be able to make it everything, make everything straight. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. That's exactly what we're going to be dealing with is that everything in our lives that we do, we're going to be able to present that evidence and that evidence will show to the universe that God is just in how he dealt with each and every one of us. Oh yeah. And, and <laughs> just something I just thought of a second ago when you were talking about the evidence part, you know, there's nothing that we're going to be able to present in, in God's house. On our own, no. No, no. All of our evidence is already in God's hands. Mm-hmm. You know, God is what I like to call um, one of those First Amendment advocates that you see on, on YouTube all the time that are going and taking pictures and videotaping stuff. You know, they know the law. Mm-hmm. God knows the law. And they record everything. Everything. Every detail. I mean, it's on video. Like, there is no way of saying, well, he didn't say that or that's not what he meant. It's like, no, we see everything. You know, we see how he said it or why he said it or what situation it was. All that is in God's hands already. And it's it's hard to argue against videographic evidence in a lot of cases. And we see that right now in a lot of these situations of First Amendment uh guys who go out there and test the first amendment and stuff. And again, God has all the videographic evidence in the world. I mean, he's got angles that we didn't even think of, you know, (laughs) that's, that's how much information he has. But what's beautiful is when we get into the very next part of this lesson is there is mercy, Mm -hmm. you know, because we all understand that the wages of sin is death, right? Yeah. But what's beautiful is in Romans 6, 23, it says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we have someone defending us because Christ establishes the eternal nature of the law and the law of, is the basis of judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So when Christ died upon the cross, he took on our guilt, our sin, our, our wickedness. He took it all onto himself to pay that punishment for us. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as like if you had a, a huge court case, right? And you set up a GoFundMe, for instance, and you people paid into it. That GoFundMe account basically goes to to pay the court costs. Well, Christ did all that already. He paid 
for all of us through this process. Ate it all. You know, like, honestly, we, we don't really have to say anything because Christ is sitting there on our behalf saying, look, the, the penalty's already been paid. Mm-hmm. The cost has already been taken care of. Right now, it's just a look at their, at their character and saying, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. And that's what it's come down to. And it's in God's hands to make that judgment. And, but, you know, thank God, you know, literally thank God <laughs> yeah. that we have an advocate. We have someone who's paid the penance for us. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that in, in a normal court of law. Nobody can just go up and pay your, your fee or penalty for you yeah. and everything be okay. No, there's still things that need to be done. But here in this case, that, that mercy that God had provided to us through Christ and that sacrifice Christ had made for us on our behalf yeah. is one of the greatest things we can ever have. Yeah, God's mercy, God's judgment. So basically it comes down to the fact that the cross shows us how much God loves us. The judgment is to validate that love to everyone else. That's what it's talking about for us. Uh, and so here in this portion of the lesson, especially when you read Romans 6.23, is that we have those, again, those same two sides presented, right? There's mm-hmm. only two choices. Death is what we deserve, yet we see here that he gave us a gift in its place, right? Yes. So the wages of sin is death. Now, it's important to real, to understand that it doesn't mean that we're not going to die in this world. Yep. I know many people sometimes question that, say, well, if I accept this now, then I'm just not going to die. Christ will come before it. And well, you know what? Christ might not come before that. You might die before that happens. Mm-hmm. And just because you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior doesn't mean that you're not going to die in this world. But it does mean is that when you believe in him, you will have the opportunity for eternal life. Yes. And that you fo- you made that choice to follow him, right? That that Jesus' death shows us that God's own law cannot be changed. And here's the thing that, you know, and there is a balance to this. There is a scale to this process, you know, and I love how it, it calls it out here in Ephesians. It says, by grace, you have been saved through faith, not works, lest anyone should boast. And that is very important for us to remember. Yes. That the grace is there for us to be saved. And we should accept that grace, but that's a choice that we have to make. Yes. You know, God's actions, Christ's actions upon the cross is what saved us. But whether or not we accept that yeah. is the choice. Whether or not we take that into heart, because it even says right here after this, it says, but when Christ saves us, he changes us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the other crucial aspect of this too, is changes, once, yeah. Yeah, once you accept Christ, you accept <clears throat> that sacrifice, you accept that grace that was provided, mm-hmm. you know, it it really has an, an important impact on on who you are. Yeah. Now, if you're just saying, yeah, I'm saved by grace, and this is, I think, where a lot of mm-hmm. Catholics have issues, yeah. is, well, yeah, I'm saved by grace. I don't need to do anything. I'm good to go. Jesus died. I'm good. It's like, well... What are you doing with that grace? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was a big topic in the Sabbath school I taught last week in the class here in our, in our church. This whole thing came up, and we pretty much spent thirty minutes on this whole thing going round and round. But after we were all done, everybody kind of gave their opinions and talked about it. We all concluded that it came down to the to this was that we are saved by grace, which is the gift, right? Mm-hmm. But we must believe that the gift actually is and that it exists, which is the faith portion. Yep. The works, the things we do, the things we don't do, 
show everyone else around us that we have been changed by the power of God. That's what it does. Because if there's no outward change that other people can see, then no one will believe that you're actually any different, right? Mm -hmm. Because those works alone are not the things that will save us. We know that the works aren't going to be the things that save us, but we live in a world where we base everything off of what we see. So we say, okay, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I'm a Christian. God changed me. And then he goes and shoots somebody and kills somebody. We're going to be like, nah, God didn't change you because your outward actions show that you didn't do anything. Now, if you say, somebody go up to somebody and say, man, I have the love of God in my heart and I just want to love everyone. But then you witness that person yelling at somebody and, and telling them off because they got angry. You're going to be like, does that person really love, does that person really love Jesus? We're going we're gonna to question, we're going to say no, because their works, the things that they're doing after they accept it, don't show to the world that they actually do it. And so, so many people get caught up on the point of, well, our works, our works, our works. And we do get caught up in the works, saying, believing that our works are going to save us and the things that we do and the actions that we take are going to be, again, like we talked in the beginning, the balance, right? Yep. If I do more good things to outweigh the bad things, then I, I'll probably get to heaven. But if I don't do the good things to outweigh the bad things, you know, then I'm never going to make it. Like, that's how I used to basically live my life as a teenager. I'd come to church on Saturday and then sun go down and I go party <laughs> and I go do all these things all week. And then I'd feel, oh man, that was kind of bad this week. I should yeah. go back to church and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and so I just end this loop, right? So I was trying to outweigh the bad things I did with the good things. And if we only do that, that's not going to save us. The Bible is very clear about that. That alone is not going to save us, but that accepting that by faith, accepting that gift of grace by faith will be the thing that saves us. And so people will say, well, why? And this came over and over in the class last week. Well, if we do, if we accept the grace by faith, then we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do any works. I don't have to show anybody. Well, yeah, it should kind of be natural that if you're changed, you're going to actually, you know, show that you were changed on the mm -hmm. outside. You know, you're going to actually show that you love people now and that you care about them and you're going to treat them different. And they're going to actually see when, when somebody comes and says, man, that person is different. And I don't know what it is, nope. but there's something different in that person. When they see that somebody who used to be mean and angry and impatient and, and irritated and now is calm and collected and, and loves people and just cares for people, like that's a big deal. And when people see that, they say, man, that person has truly been changed. That person has truly been a follower of Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. We should show others that we've actually been changed. And that's where the works parts come in. Mm -hmm. we, should want, we should want to do that. If I say I'm changed, I should want to show other people, hey, look, I am different now. And right here, you know, our good works empowered by the Holy Spirit do not save us. Mm -hmm. But they do testify that our faith is genuine. Yep. Now, what our listeners really need to understand in this key part here, and, you know, AJ, you really you hit it on the head on it, you know, is you got to understand that God's final judgment will strip away all pretense. Mm -hmm. It's going to strip away yep. all hypocrisy, all falsehood, and it's going to go into the very depth of our being. So we can have this relationship with God, but if we're not utilizing the Holy Spirit properly and we're not exuding that grace, we're not exuding the faith that we have, God's going to call it out and say, well, you're not genuine. Mm -hmm. If you're genuinely changed and you genuinely believe in, in salvation, you genuinely believe in the law, then you need to follow it. You need to show others you're following it. Yep. 
Not go out there and say, hey, look at me, look at me. I'm, I'm following the law. I am this good person. No, 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 no. What you need to be doing is you need to be following the law because you love God. You need to be doing what is right because you love God. Because God is doing right by you by providing you that that eternal life mm-hmm. and grace. It's how you use it, how you portray it, how you share it. And, you know, calling it out and saying, don't be boastful about it. It's crucial because pride is a very easy sin to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. And here we have we have to take ourselves out of the picture. And we need to be like, okay, if I say I love God, I say I love his word, I love his people, then I need to prove that. I need yeah. to show that. I need to do that. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to enter your, your being, you allow the word of God to enter your life, you allow that love to take place, you're not even going to think about it. Yeah. You're just going to do it. You're going to just automatically go out there and you're going to start loving your brothers and sisters. And it's sad to say, I think that's where so many people in our churches today, that's the point that they lack, what you just said. They don't ever allow the power of God, the love of God, to transform their lives. They might go to church every single week. They might have positions in your church. They might preach sermons. They might teach, you know, Sabbath school lessons. But there's a lot of people that have bad characters, bad attitudes. Some people that are in church that are very unapproachable, that are, you know, nobody wants to talk to you. They're the but they, what we people label as the mean ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I always, that always just, that always got me. I was like, why? Why would there be people like this in the church that believe the same thing that I do? Like, I, I'm not the same person that I used to be. Now, I have, I'm not perfect, and I have a long way to go. But, but the thing is, is I know I can look back, and others around me can look and say, I'm not the same person. Now, when, so I see other people that are, that are, in, that are in church, church, fellow church members of mine that, just not nice character wise and they follow the same christ i do and that used to bother me that used to just really get to me to like well how come they can't see that and that's the point which you just made is that because every one of us can believe the same thing we can read the same bible Mm -hmm. but if we don't ever allow that to be able to enter our hearts and to change us Mm -hmm. then we're never going to be better than we used to be we're never going to be different we're never going to actually have that love of God and show it to the world because we have not allowed it to change our lives. And like you said, it's that me problem, right? Yep. It's, I don't have to do this. I'm good enough as I am. I don't have to do what you want me to do. I could just be me. And well, sometimes being you is mean, <laughs> you know? So having, having that love of God come into your heart and change you, that's the, that's the key. That's the thing that we all need to be thinking about when we're, you know, when you listen to a sermon and, you know, don't just listen to a sermon to listen to a sermon. Listen to a sermon to see how it applies to you. Mm-hmm. When you re- read the Bible, do a Bible study. See how it applies to you. Forget everyone else. It doesn't matter. And when you allow it to really come into your heart and to your mind, it's going to change you. Yeah. It's going to change who you are. It's going to change the way you think. And it's going to change how you treat other people. And that is why today we see so many people in church who are just mean and bitter and don't want, and we just don't understand. Nobody wants to talk to them and, and everybody stays away from them because they have not allowed that love of God to change their hearts. Yep. And it's sad to see. It really is. And it's something I wish we didn't have to see because we all believe in the same God and we all read the same Bible and we should all have that same, we do have the same opportunity to accept God's love, but we, we all have that choice not to if we, if we choose not to. And that's, 
that's very important for us to remember is it, it, it all comes down. And really, this is what this whole quarter is about, is understanding that choice. You know, the, the evidence is being placed in front of us right now of, of what we should be doing. But whether or not we actually do it, that's up to, to me. That's mm-hmm. up to you, AJ. It's up to my wife. It's up to the pastor. It's yep. up to the other elders. It's up to the people that sit in the pews. That choice is theirs. You know, I can't, I can't force you mm-hmm. to believe in God. I can't force you to open your book and pray. I, I can't force you to, to come in here and help me with the podcast. I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but truth be told, the only person who's standing in the way of you getting in touch with God is you. Yeah. And that's why I said in the beginning that everyone is going to have to give an account for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's no one else. Now, as, as we're going through this lesson, I, I, I want us to go into this next, uh, this next day. This is the magnificent or magnificent scene. Um, now, this is a very interesting portion of the study because unlike the other portions, the other portions are explaining and detailing and kind of giving you insight into what this final judgment, judgment is. Yeah. But in this particular lesson, it tells you when the judgment took place and why it's taking place. Mm-hmm. And a little a little glimpse into uh, into heaven, right? Yes. And it it talks about, and we, we said this a little bit ago, how Daniel and Revelation tie into each other. Mm-hmm. They support one another. And especially in Daniel 7. Daniel 7 breaks down exactly when this judgment starts. And it's the 1,260 years, as we see in Daniel 7.25. We also see that in Revelation 12.14. Now, this this whole part right here that comes up right after this is is amazing because this is God explaining to man through images and through vision saying, this is what you are to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, and Daniel did his very best to, to outline what we're seeing. You know, yeah. when God is talking to you, sometimes you're just in awe because God's talking to you and you yeah. may miss the message. But yeah, thankfully like- Daniel actually paid attention because <laughs> Because I would, I would just be big-eyed and just standing there drooling on myself. Yeah. It wouldn't be pretty. But here it says, God focuses Daniel's mind on a glorious celestial event that will set all things right. The prophet's attention is directed from the rise and fall of nations and the oppressive powers of earth to the throne room of the universe and God's final judgment when he, God, will right every wrong and establish his everlasting kingdom of righteousness. Now, this is one of the, so Daniel has so much information in it and yeah. the stories that are told in it are just so incredible. You know, when we're looking at this, the 1,260 years, we got to think about Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the statue. You know, we have the golden head, the silver chest. We have the, was it bronze waist, the uh, iron legs, and then the iron and clay feet. I think I got all that right. <laughs> you know, that is part of Daniel's vision about the history leading all the way up to the judgment. And that judgment is the rock that is flung at the feet. Mm-hmm. That's the final judgment that tears down the entire statue, all these kingdoms. And chapter seven is 
so interesting. And I, I highly recommend if you have a chance, read it, the entire chapter seven. It outlines so much information. But here it, it's outlining what's leading to this final judgment. It's taking us to to the point of understanding where it's going to take place, where this judgment is going to take place. It's going to take place in heaven. It's not going to take place on earth, which a lot of people think, oh, the Armageddon, that's God's final yeah. judgment. No, yeah. no, no, no. God is in the process of judging man right now. Yeah. That courtroom has been opened. The books are being opened. Jesus, as our advocate, is sitting there defending us mm-hmm. in to God and to the universe. Yeah. And it's it's important to understand when it started because mm-hmm. as we see oh. later on through the three angels message there's no no way for anybody to say oh i didn't know yeah because it's outlined right here i know a lot of people don't like to read prophecy because they're like oh prophecy so confusing and long and so many days we really have to think about prophecy as just being history mm-hmm. history is you can go back through prophecy and see everything happen accordingly right and everything we see in the book of Daniel regarding timing, the rise, the fall of kingdoms happened exactly as prophesied, right? So there's a good record. There's oh, yeah. a good record there of everything that happened. So why would we think that if everything that's been written has happened, why would we think that everything that's written now in Revelation is not going to happen? It's going to happen. Now, we want it to happen sooner than later, right? And we get impatient, but it's going to happen either way. Yep. Everything has everything has its course. Everything has its time. God knows the timing. If it's prophesied that it's going to happen, and if everything in history has happened exactly as he said it's going to happen, why would not that last little bit of of the future? It's gonna it's gonna take place, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not, whether we do, whether we choose to accept it or follow it or not. And and so here we see in in Daniel Daniel seven, especially like you were talking about, and here that we're reading Revelation now, in Revelation fourteen, is that. These books have a good track record, right? They have a good, they have a good track record of what's, what's happened before, and everything's come to pass. And so, we'd better believe that the things are going to happen in the future, mm-hmm. and and it, it's something that that we should be paying attention to. Um, I was thinking about when I was reading that this week. I was thinking about, uh, I'm sure you read them all the time too. Those uh, technology leakers yep. who always show. I was reading some yesterday, like, oh, this is the new Google phone that's going to be coming out. It's like, you know what? All these leaks always come out and you're like, eh, you don't know if they're real. You don't know. But sometimes these things end up happening exactly as how they said it was going to happen. You're like, wow, that guy had some good insight. Oh, yeah. So the next time he says something, I'm going to listen to him because he has a good he has a good track record, right? And that's kind of what we're dealing here with here in the Bible is that mm-hmm. we could look back and say, oh, Daniel wrote all this stuff down that he saw from God and it happened. You know, John wrote all this stuff down in Revelation and it's happening. He has a good. These guys have good track records, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and listen to this because more likely, if everything's happened the way he said it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And here's the thing that's really, really interesting, and something that's good to remember too is historians have used the Bible, and in order to understand certain accounts that happened in history, so they they have been able to tie actual historical events to scripture. To scripture, you know saying, okay, yeah, this place actually existed or this event really took place or this battle actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing it and everything is lining up. You know, that tells you right there the power and beauty that's within Scripture that as things are happening, they're re- they're recorded. Mm-hmm. They're historical fact. 
So why wouldn't anything else in the Bible be history? Yeah. Or be foretelling of the future? Yeah. You know, to to look at it and go, well, yeah, part of it's right, but the last half, I don't know about, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of yeah. like really misleading yourself. It's really taking yourself and casting doubt. Well, yeah. if everything that's been predicted since Abraham, you know, to the you know, to Christ coming, to sacrificing his life, to yeah. to paying that penance, if everything there has come true, everything in Christ's life has come true, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't we believe that what it says in Daniel, what it says in Revelation wouldn't come true? And I think like in what I mentioned in the beginning about being afraid of the judgment, I think uh, a lot of people do that too. Is I used to read Revelation and read it up to the point where it talked about judgment, and, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not I'm not going to read that because that's not, that's scary, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to talk. I don't want to read that. And because if I know, then I know, <laughs> you know and I don't want to know. So I would just stay away from reading the things that I didn't want to, that I didn't want to know because they, they scared me. I think a lot of people will choose to not read the book of Revelation because one, it sounds confusing. It seems weird with all these symbols. And they also don't want to know about the future because it's like it's, it, it either it scares them. Yeah. Or there's just some type of it, some people where they read it and they say, well, that that kind of disrupts my life and disrupts my future if I have to believe that this is that this is going to happen. Like, you know, I'm sure you, you, you talk to a lot of people where their whole goal in life is just their future and their careers and setting up their retirement. And sometimes the Bible gets in the way of that. Yep. <laughs> and they don't like that. And so they'll choose not to understand revelation and read revelation because I don't want to know about how it's going to disrupt my future. Yeah. And you know, this whole lesson, you know, and I love how it says, you know, as we're looking at, at what is viewed in revelation and what we see in Daniel, you know, it's outlying what, what we're expecting to see in heaven, in the courtroom, you know, in front of God's throne. And these last two days that are in here tie into each other very well, because, you know, it's talking about those that are entering the courtroom, those that are, you know, standing next to God, who are witnesses or or the jury, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, in most courtroom cases or courtrooms, you have a jury box. Mm-hmm. You have individuals that are standing there that are listening to the testimony that's being presented and helping in deciding what that decision is. Well, we all know that God is the final judge. He's going to make that final decision. And, you know, it leads us into who's on our side on this and mm-hmm. it's Jesus. Yep. Jesus is our attorney. That's battling on our behalf before his father to, to say, look, yes, they have sinned. Yes. They have transgressed. Yes. They have issues, but guess what? I have paid their penance for them. I have taken upon their guilt yep. onto myself to cleanse them, to be guilt free. And that's something that no matter how much we try on this earth and all, all of our works and good works, we can never replace that. Mm-hmm. We can never, you know, cover what he's going to cover for us. That, that last bit, you know, you can go through all the evidence and that last bit right before the judgment, <laughs> right before the judgment is pronounced upon you, yeah, you, you have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that one time is going to come right before and he's going to say, look, yeah, they fell short. Yes. I made it up. And nothing we could do in this world is going to be able to ever cover for that, no matter how hard we try. And, you know, and what's beautiful is, you know, when we look at this lesson this week and we understand that, that 
we are blessed to have somebody defending us who has walked in our shoes, mm. who has seen firsthand the things that we struggle with as mankind and understands us and is able to say they are good. They are with me. You know, that is so powerful. That is so impressive that, you know, that is good news. And yes, everything dealing with the judgment does seem like it's terrifying, but when you know that your advocate has walked in your shoes, that has seen your life and has said, I've paid your penance. That is amazing. Just that alone is just so fantastic and wonderful. Yep. But and with, that that one one last thing before you close up that, that last portion on Thursday that really kind of summed up the lesson for me and it gave me a lot of just the purpose of the judgment is not to find out how bad we are, but to reveal how good God is. Yes, that's awesome. That is that is amazing. That's just that's just it right there, and that kind of sums up the whole whole portion of the lesson for us and it, it's something that we should not be we shouldn't be afraid of yep it gives us hope it gives us understanding it gives us a uh, finality to everything right yes but with that let's go ahead and um we want to say thank you all for listening and if you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson please go to our podcast page on our website three angels sda.org slash podcast that's three angels sda.org slash podcast and use the comments section there There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast and our previous episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. God bless you all. Join us next week as we go over the next lesson titled The Hour of His Judgment, which will take place from April 29th through May 5th. And with that, um, let's go ahead and bow our head for prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your home to to learn about your judgment and to learn that there is hope through it, that there is penance that has been paid and that your son has given us that beautiful, beautiful thing that we call grace. And Lord, we know that grace alone cannot get us into heaven, but it has opened the door for us. And then when we accept that grace into our lives, that we know we can walk beside you. And Lord, we ask that you be with us today as we go through this wonderful week. And we ask that you... Open our minds and hearts to the lesson as it is. We thank you, Lord, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins and to be with us again. Lord, thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelssda.org.